0: We'll start with the set-aside prayer. God, please set aside everything I think I know about you, God. The steps recovery, the big book, what's best for me, what's best for others. Especially help me let go of all my old ideas so I can live on your spiritual truth. Heavenly Father, have mercy on me. Help me to carry your message today. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay. (coughs) Uh, We are on We Agnostics. We have a new person here today, so I'm gonna talk a little bit about what we're trying to do here. Uh, what I'm trying to do is to recover from a hopeless condition of mind and body. The only recovered the way to recover from that is my relationship with God. I have no power to run my life, and I have no power not to drink or use, except through God. So I have to use the tools that are outlined in the first, uh, 112 pages of the book to allow God to work in my life if I don't follow the directions um, I'm not going to have that relationship and I'm not going to have a life of any peace and meaning I think you could stay sober without working the steps I've heard people say it I don't want to do that I want to have emotional sobriety I want to be okay I don't wanna be disturbed. I did a thing on the spiritual axiom years ago, six years ago, I wrote a little uh, thing on the thoughts about the spiritual axiom and that it says, uh, the spiritual axiom is that uh, no matter what the cause, whenever they're, they're disturbed, there's something wrong with me. And I've had some comments from people who don't like that. They don't believe it. They don't think it's a spiritual axiom. They give me reasons why we're human, we have emotions. Uh, Somebody recently, a nice man, said, if somebody kills my dog, I'm allowed to be disturbed. Well, and I thought about that a lot. Disturbed is not a good condition for me. That means I'm separated from God. If my dog dies and someone kills it, I have to go right to God and say, God, how do I deal with this? How do I see it? How do I react? So what they're talking about in the spiritual axiom is when I'm disturbed, I'm in self, and I don't like what I see, and I get upset, and, and I don't have to do that. I have the option with the tools not to be angry or fearful. I can get fearful, but I have a tool now to get unfearful, and I have a tool now to get unangry. And I certainly don't have to get upset enough to make bad decisions to harm myself and others. And so it's, you can argue this and that it's like God. But for me, if I'm disturbed, I'm not with God. Now do I believe that with God I can get undisturbed? That's really the question. Yes. Is there anything that I can't forgive? No because Jesus said on the cross I forgive them they don't want what they are due." so I have to learn to forgive I have to learn to see things differently and I'm not saying that you know And I've had people talk about what about trauma when you were a child and this and that and bad things that have happened that's true but I have to learn through working the steps to deal with them to be able to deal with this that's what the steps are designed and so I understand that some people, you know, that wasn't written by Jesus. It was just something that was put in a twelve and twelve. But for me to apply it, it's my when I'm in self, I get disturbed a lot. And we're talking. He's talking about people uh, not uh, doing the groceries fast enough. People on the road. People at work. They're stupid. Anybody had stupid people at your job? Yeah, and so, but really, I might have been stupid. Never occurred to me that they may think I was stupid. You know, they were always, uh, you know, I'm just being silly. I'm in a good mood because I was feeling so sick for two days from the vaccine. But uh, I just thought I'd make a little comment on that. And for uh, Earl, who we're glad to have here, we're at the point now where we've seen through the book, we're on page uh, 45 and we've seen that I have no ability to take one drink successfully or one pill or anything I can't do it I can't do it I have no control over it once I do it and then I have a mind that tells me even though I don't want to do it and I know it's bad do it and how do I tell my mind that I don't I can't do it when my mind's telling me to do it. And what is that? That's called the obsession of the mind. I've lost the power choice today to not drink. I'll never have the choice today to not drink. I have to seek God who gives me the power. I could wake up every morning and say, I'm not gonna drink today. Huh. I I like to wake up now and say, I'm not gonna get disturbed. Well, that that you know I go most of the day but you know getting disturbed for a few seconds is not going to kill me but I don't want to drink today And when I think about it I can th- see the consequences today because I have a relationship with God so I'm powerless over alcohol and I cannot manage my life now they're in the b- way the books laid out they focus mainly on what what it means to be a real alcoholic and If we're a real alcoholic, I'm powerless over alcohol. And if I'm powerless over alcohol, I'm powerless over alcohol. I'll never have power over it. So I won't be able, if I'm a real alcoholic, to not drink again. I won't be able to. And we talk about people, sometimes in a negative tone, you hear at oh, they drank again. Well, alcoholics drink. Addicts use. There's a difference between addicts and alcoholics. I heard this, see if it's true. An addict can't use drugs and can't drink. And an alcoholic can't drink and can't use drugs. <laughs> because if you're uh, an... A- alcoholics are addicted to alcohol, but I'll be addicted to anything that'll change the way I feel. And so what's the drug of choice? Whatever's on the floor. <laughs> you know? Anybody relate to that? And so. Now, when I came in over 20 years ago, there was this big thing about we don't want al- addicts at the alcoholic meeting. You know, there were like Pharisees in AA, you know, that these alcoholics are going to ruin my recovery. I heard that at one meeting. I had to pray for that lady. Uh, you know, we we all have the same affliction. We're separated from God. And we, uh, we have a spiritual illness. And... Um, we need to be bonded together we need to try to help each other and uh, talking someone wants to come to me and talk about drugs it's not going to make me use drugs somebody talks about drink it's not going to make me drink if I want to drink or use drugs I'll, I'll do it I don't need them to to uh, put it in my mind you get it so I understand the beginning why they had the traditions, and I'm not saying we shouldn't have that, and it's not good, and this and that. But nowadays, uh, I think that the only requirement to be at a meeting is you're a spiritual seeker of God. Are you seeking God? And we need to be a fellowship of the Spirit. We shouldn't be exclusive, because we're going to read here that the that the road to God is all inclusive, open to all of us, and that's what we want. I don't want to be a barrier between someone and their relationship with God. In fact, I want to be the opposite. I talked to someone this week. I decided to call him, and seven years ago, he was a mess, and his life was falling apart, and he's doing great now, and he just spent two weeks with his kids and, and uh, seven years. And I remember working with him in the closet, and, uh, and uh, it was neat to hear he was doing well. And it wasn't because of me. It was because he, he worked the steps. He has a relationship with God today. And his life's transformed. And I think that's true of a lot of people I'm seeing in the room. And uh, this chapter, we agnostics, and this is like a good review. I'm, I'm sorry if I'm spending too much time doing that. I, has it been okay? Is it all right? Yeah. All right. Be sure you say that, because I need approval. <coughs> good. All right, stop. God, I'm funny today. Uh, it says you know in the first chapter we agnostics which is this chapter is those who have no knowledge of God and and what they're really talking about is not praying or going to church but a true relationship with God and allowing God to be the Lord of my life and if you're Christian it's the same thing you can talk about uh, believing in Christ but do you know Christ are you allowing him to be the Lord of your life now that's why this Oxford group was started for Christians to allow God and Christ to be the Lord of their life because we're all self-centered to some to some extent and so they wanted a, a way of doing that so they had the six steps and we we took our program from them so it says on the first paragraph it says a really important line important lines if you honestly want to you find you cannot quit entirely on page 44 if when drinking you have little control over the amount you take you're probably alcoholic now here's the deal and this isn't emphasized enough at meetings and with new people if that's the case if I'm an alcoholic I may be suffering from an illness which only a spiritual experience can conquer Now what they're saying here is that if I am a real alcoholic, therapy's not gonna help me, medicine's not gonna help me, it's a relationship with God. It's a spiritual experience and that God gives me the power. And you could try any other way, like Melissa said, but if you don't want what you have, try this and this is just a treasure map to that relationship with God. And my relationship with God is a lot different than it was when I came in. It's a lot different than it was after five years. And Melissa mentioned the first year is hard. The first year is very hard. Because it's new. And you don't have the tools yet. You're not good at it. And I was very good at practicing self-centeredness. Anybody else? And it's hard to change and practice God-centeredness and do six and seven all the time because you have to work at it. So it's the action that conquers the spirit, the illness and the action that brings me the spiritual experience. And we're gonna get to that because we're really on step two in this chapter and the, f- the further as we get along. And it says, after a while we had to face the fact, if I'm a true alcoholic, the third paragraph, that I must find the spiritual basis of life, dash or else. So people come here and they don't wanna use, they don't wanna drink, but they don't realize unless they do the action in the book, they're not gonna have a power to keep from doing that. Now it's easy to say that and I believe that, but it's another thing to get someone else to understand that because we fight that. We don't wanna give up on ourselves. And a lot of times we don't wanna even stop drinking or using really. And then um, on page 45, we covered this uh, the other day. Um, Our human resources as marshaled by the will were not sufficient to give me the power not to drink. So I could try as hard as I can. I could will myself as much as I can. I can't do it. So lack of power, that's my dilemma. That's all of our dilemma. We had to find a power by which we could live. So the problem is, that I, the power that I had to live didn't work. So I needed a different power to live. And it had to be a power greater than me, it can't be me. And it's obviously, and Stu's uh, uh, doing some racing thing today, but he always pounds the desk. But where and how were we to find this power? Now that's a good question. And it says, well, that's exactly what this book is about its main object is to enable you to find a paragraph in yourself which will solve your problem. Now, I meet a lot of new people and they, they want me to help them and I want them to listen and study the book and they think that's stupid. They don't tell me that but I could tell because they don't do it. They don't want to do it and they don't see that what I'm getting them is to the follow directions that's not theirs. I'm asking them to start the process of understanding their problem in the beginning. So they can see the necessity for doing the steps. And they don't want to do it. And uh, um, that's it. And there may be other ways of doing it. But that's just what's worked for me. So I, I have to share what's worked for me. And I think they wrote the book. And if they wrote before page 58, maybe we should study that. Does that make sense? I find the other thing that I've made a mistake through the years is I assume people have taken step one. They come here, their lives are absolutely a mess. Everything is a mess. But they really haven't taken it deep down inside in their heart. They don't understand that they're completely defeated. There's nothing that they can do to fix this. Nothing. And that moment when I realized that, that's when things started to get better. My life was still a mess and it was horrible, but I Felt like when I completely gave up, there's something happened, and I've heard other people. I'm looking at Julie. I've heard her story. When we completely give up, something happens, and I thought some people think they've given up, but they haven't. And I thought I'd given up at the times, but when it really happened, and I asked God to help me, I, I felt something. I still remember the moment. So here's the deal. But where and how are we to find this power? That's exactly what this book is about. Its main object is to enable you to find a power greater than yourself which will solve your problem. And I mentioned I only have one problem. Anybody else have a lot of problems? I only have one problem, and that's where the spiritual axiom comes in. My problem is that I consciously separate from God. And when I do that, I live in this world where I play God. Anybody else ever do that? I lived my whole life like that for years. I didn't understand it. And it doesn't work. And the solution to all my problems is to be with God. So if I'm disturbed, no matter what the cause, then I'm in Michael's world where I consciously separate from God. And if I get back to God, I say, God, I don't want to be disturbed. Tell me how to handle this horrible situation. My son died. It was upsetting, I was sad, but I didn't get disturbed by it. I wasn't angry at whatever happened. I didn't want to know all the details of who gave him the drugs and what he took and what was going on, I didn't. I just wanted to be able to be, deal with it in a positive way. And one of the things God did to help me was said, do a meeting and teach the big book so people don't have to die at four in the morning. But it was a horrible thing. But I wanted to be able to be at peace with it. And that's where the best line in the book for me, can I share it now? The best line in the book for me is on page 68. It says, um, and they're talking about fear, I have to live on a different basis, the basis of trusting and relying upon God. It's that simple. We must trust infinite God rather than our finite selves. Does that make sense? Why should I trust myself when I have God available to me? We are in the world, that's my purpose, to play the role God assigns me, not the one I assign myself or assign God. Anybody ever assign God something? And uh, I assign things to my wife. Uh, She said something, and and she said something. I said, oh yeah, well, you don't have to do that. I didn't have to give her permission and, and, and now it took me how many years I'm 73 to realize well I don't have to say that She she's okay I'm all right people are probably turning off the podcast now just to the extent that we do now here's the deal just the extent that I do as I think he would have me so I have to stay connected to him and I humbly rely on him does he enable us to match calamity with serenity and I and I saw that line. I was down at the bottom of the stairs. They ER called me. They told me my son had died, and I saw that line. Tell me that isn't God. And he had prepared me so I knew the book, and I, and I could see that line. And I said, I, I'm going to do that. I'm going to play the role you assign. I'm going to rely on you, and you'll ha- tell me how to handle it. I want to handle things with serenity rather than uh, calamity with serenity. And isn't that the serenity of prayer? God, give me the serenity. I'm disturbed. I'm (coughs) upset. Something happened. Okay, God, give me the peace of mind so I can connect to you. So tell me what I have to accept and what I have to change. So now here's the key thing. So we have one problem. I have to c- learn how to connect to God and stay in the right relationship with him so he can work. If I'm not connected to God, he can't work in my life and I have no power not to drink. That means I have written a book which I believe to be spiritual as well as moral. That means we have written, and it means of course that we're gonna talk about God. Now the thing that I hadn't realized and I heard this great speaker years ago is that up to this point we've talked about drinking. We've talked about what makes us an alcoholic. We've talked about how we're powerless over alcohol, right? And now we're going to talk about God the rest of the book. So we have a not drinking book, the alcohol book, and then we have the God book. And he said some people stay in this first 44 pages because they don't ever get through the God book. But he says, once people get into the God book, they never go back to the not drinking book. That makes a lot of sense. Does it make sense, to? Yeah. She's staring at me, I'm wondering. But it is. Think about it. Now we're going to talk about God. We don't talk about drinking anymore. On page 45 of the big book, we talk about how we can find a power to live that solves my problem. Because my problem is I don't have a power to live. So, it says, uh, we go down, um, they're going to write a book that they believe to be spiritual as well, as moral, and it means we're going to talk about God. Now, here difficulty arises. Some people don't want to hear about God. Many times we talk to a new man and watch his hope rise as we discuss his alcoholic problems and explain our fellowship. But his face falls when we speak of spiritual matters, especially when we mention God. And I thought a lot about why some people don't want to hear about God and this and that, and I think it really relates that we don't want anybody to tell us what to do. We don't want to give up on ourselves. We really don't, deep down inside. Okay, that sounds good, but you know. And we may not even realize it. And it says, we have opened the sub- reopened the subject which our man thought he had nearly invaded or entirely ignored. And I wrote, I don't want to be obedient. I don't want to be accountable. And it says, we know how he feels. We have shared his honest doubt and prejudice. Some of us have been violently anti-religious. To others, the word God brought up a particular idea of him with which someone had tried to impress them during childhood. Now, for me, God was always behind the curtain. And he wasn't really, I didn't feel like I could have a real relationship with him. And I've been listening to uh, every day, you know, I listen to scripture, and I heard uh, this talk. It's uh, on how we call God Father, and how we have a relationship with him through my relationship with Christ. I, I can call God Abba Father. And when I grew up in my religion at the time, I couldn't call God Father. He was, he was Adonai. He wasn't someone you had a personal relationship with. He was behind a curtain. And so I never felt that. And, and then um, I hope this doesn't bother people if I talk about it, but when I read the scriptures first and I read that Christ died and when he took his last breath, the curtain from the temple was torn from the top. Now, that meant a lot to me. A lot of people read that, they don't say, well, that's great. But the curtain separated the world from, the, from God. God was in the inner sanctum and they had the mercy seat and they sacrificed once a year the perfect sheep. And the only person to go in there was the priest and he had to go through days of rituals to be okay to even be in the presence. And then here, this man dies and the curtain's torn. I said, wow, I can have a relationship directly with God. Now, to me, and that's what this book is trying to talk about. We can have this relationship with God, and the only thing that blocks it is me. Do I want to have it or not? And you don't have to believe what I believe to have your relationship with your God. I'm just telling you about how it, that made sense. And so I I called God Father, and um, that really, works and it says um, we were bothered with the thought that faith and dependence upon a power beyond ourselves was somewhat weak and I think some in our society kind of see that you know we're supposed to be self-help and self dependent and you know and but AA is the opposite and I wrote that dep- faith and dependence upon a power beyond ourselves was someone weak, and I wrote, how'd that work for you? Even cowardly. And then, of course, we looked upon this world of warring individuals, warring theological systems, an inexplicable calamity with deep skepticism. You know, look at what's going on. How can there be a God? And look at the mess the world's in. We looked askance. <coughs> that's an attitude of disapproval, and many individuals who claim to be godly, and that's probably true. I don't think in AA we claim to be godly. We claim to be God-seekers, and we want to practice God's character. We're not perfect. We're seeking uh, progress, not perfection, and we're seeking a power from God to do His will. So if I'm godly and I'm doing His will today, That's because I'm allowing him to do it, not because I'm great. In fact, the less I think of myself, the better my chances of recovery are. The more broken and humble I am, the better I have a chance of allowing God to work in my life. Isn't that what prayer is in AA, is seeking God, asking him to remove the barriers from him? How could a supreme being have anything to do with it all? Look at the world right today. Look at all the horrible things that are going on. And who could comprehend the supreme being anyhow? And then he talks about you look at a starlight night and you look at the stars, and who could have made all this? Anybody wonder about that? I've heard people who have a brain that they couldn't possibly invent or put together, who are reasoning that they don't wanna believe in God and with that mind, that could they create the sun to be just a certain distance from the Earth? How'd that happen? And the moon happens to be just where it is. Isn't that? What a coincidence. And so anyway, but I don't argue with them, because I think when they're defeated enough, then they'll give up. It says, we of agnostic temperance who have had these thoughts and experience, and this is an important paragraph, let us make haste to reassure you. So they're trying to reassure everybody. We found, this is what they found, and this is what I found, and I even find it today, that as soon as I'm able to lay aside prejudice, my judgment about anything, could be a Netflix show, I don't want to watch it, I don't like the picture, it's made in Korea. They can't make good movies. You know, I have all this prejudice. I won't like this book. I don't like the title. You get it? Uh, there's so many things. Um, I have to lay aside my judgment and express even a willingness to believe in a power greater than self. That's all it is in AA. We're not asking you to climb Mount Everest. Just be willing to believe that there's a power greater than you. Now, if you don't believe there's a power greater than you, you're in trouble, you know. Now we've acted like there's no power greater than me, but I need to believe that there's a power greater than me, and we commence to get results. So that's all you have to do is lay aside prejudice, prejudgment, and express even a willingness to believe in a power greater than yourself, and you're gonna start to get results. You know why? Because you'll start following directions, and you'll start moving towards God. Even though it is impossible, and I think this is true for any of us, to fully define or comprehend that power which is God, it, it's, it's impossible to understand where is God behind everything. Where is it? We don't have any idea. We can't conceive of it. And I'll—I've uh, I'll talked long enough. I'm gonna—I'm gonna, I'm gonna read—I'm uh, gonna read one more paragraph. Is that okay? Much to our relief, so this was their relief, they discovered we did not need to consider another's conception of God. So if you don't like my conception of God, that's fine. I respect yours, and that's all you need to worry about. Our own conception, however inadequate, was sufficient to make the approach, so you need a conception that'll work, to make the approach and to affect a contact with him. That's what we're doing, we're approaching God And we're trying to make contact with him. And they're going to talk more about that the rest of the chapter. As soon as I admit the possible existence of a creative intelligence, a spirit of the universe underlying the totality of things, that's all I have to admit. We began to be possessed of a new sense of power and direction. You start to feel it provided we took other simple steps. You have to do the work. We found that God does not make too hard terms with those who seek him. I agree with that 100%. To us, the realm of the spirit is broad, roomy, all-inclusive. That means no matter how bad you think you are, <laughs> there's room for you there. That, you know, some people can't forgive themselves. and uh, No matter how bad I am, there's room for me with God. To us, it's broad, roomy, all-inclusive, never exclusive, forbidding to those who earnestly seek. It is open, we believe, to all men. Isn't that great? I'll end with that. We'll we'll, uh, review that paragraph next time. It's great stuff. Sorry to babble so much, but I've been really sick, I think, from the flu vaccine. I'm feeling better today, so thank you for listening.